This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It is me, your managing editor of Wrestling Inc., Nick Hausman, back to host another episode of The Weekly, and I am joined here for your midday break, your little lunch that would be your daily food routine, but it's a week, it's a good start. Justin Labar, Justin, welcome back to the show. Good to be back. Yeah, man. Well, we are, you are, you're the Marty Jannetty to my Shawn Michaels. Is that good? No? What about, uh, are you the, you're the animal to my hawk? Uh, I'll take that. Okay, you are uh, you're the. Ding- I'm the Rick Steiner to your Scott Steiner. <laughs> okay, ooh, the ooh, ooh, you do you have a dog face gremlin type sensibility about you? I feel. <laughs> okay. uh, um, and, and, and you and you have your freaks and peaks. I do. Oh, and I love math. Um, all right, we are going to have we have a big show for you today. Um, it is of course Wednesday. The Wednesday Night War is in full swing, and we have two men on the show here later today, uh, talking with me. Uh, after the news uh, that were on AEW Dynamite last week. Of course, the first guy you're going to hear from right after the news, he took on Chris Jericho for the AEW World Championship. He's one half of the AEW Tag Team Champions. It's Scorpio Sky. Scorpio Sky's in the house here today. Uh, And right after him, you're going to hear from the man that took on Cody Rhodes in Chicago last week, Marvelous Matt Nix. Uh, He came up a little short there in just a few minutes, uh, but he did manage to get the crowd to chant Freelance Wrestling, uh, which is the promotion that he is, of course, the the founder for here in Chicago that I've worked with quite a bit over the years. And uh, Cody Rhodes took a moment to to take in those freelance chants. So we're going to talk to Nick's all about what that was like. We're going to talk to Scorpio Sky about what it was like to be in that big spot there uh, for the world title uh, uh, against Chris Jericho. Two big guests here today, Justin. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and uh, of course, let's get to it here then. Uh, it's time for news you can use, news that'll leave a bruise. And uh, last night's WWE Backstage, well, they made some real news because it was announced last night on WWE Backstage that 39-year-old John Morrison, a.k.a. Johnny Impact, Johnny Mundo, Johnny Nitro, John Morrison, he's coming back to WWE. WWE.com is saying that it's a multi-year deal. And uh, Morrison tweeted out the following. He says, confirmed. I have signed with WWE. I've never been as good. I've never been as good at anything as I am in wrestling, and I can't wait to stand again in WWE in a WWE ring opposite the most talented people in the business. Before we get to the rest of this stuff here, what's your uh, what's your gut reaction to finding out John Morrison back in the WWE fold? Well, it feels like this was like one of the worst kept secrets in wrestling, right? Um, you know, it was like nonstop. Oh, is Morrison coming back? And people were asking you know, Ziggler and and everybody. Um, uh, but no, but you know, I, I got no problem with this. Uh, you know, he is one of the most talented guys in a ring, and from an athletic standpoint, I mean, the things that he can do, um, even at 39, he, I, I, you know, I don't think he's lost a step. Um, you know, 
he, I, you know, his peak, obviously, I think was uh, was with Eminem in a tag team. In my opinion, I thought that was his best stuff in the tag team situation. Um, you know, he's again, he, he's he's athletic, but as a single star, I think he just kind of uh, he just kind of blended in eventually to the mid card. Uh, I don't necessarily mean that as a as a you know, I'm not trying to shoot him down, but I, I'll be interested to see where they place him. The WWE landscape has changed drastically since he was last there. Uh, he's going around. He's had some success other places. Uh, I'll be interested to see now that they have. You know, Raw and SmackDown, and of course SmackDown, you know, with Fox and, and sports presentation, as we hear, and of course you have NXT, you have, you have 205 Live. You know, where they find him to be the best value uh, is, is intriguing to me. I I gotta think Smack SmackDown feels like where where he would fit best, just because um, again, like it was said by Fox early on that they were looking for a more athletic product. There's quite a bit of wrestling. He's a bigger and more known name. I just in my head, it just feels like SmackDown is the right place for him. I can't. I can't see him in NXT. I mean, I don't want to knock the guy on his age, but at 39, he doesn't really feel like new, fresh talent. Also, he's been with WWE so long, so it's not just the age thing. He doesn't feel like NXT to me. Feels like a SmackDown guy to me. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I don't necessarily agree on the NXT thing. I mean, just because of his age, I, I think, again, while, while NXT still is always, at its core, going to be something about the future, uh, I, I do think we have to accept that and this is just going to happen, you know, as time goes on, that we are going to see some guys who are older, who are more established, who are going to be in NXT. Uh, one, because they might not be rumor space for them on Raw or SmackDown. Two, because it might help NXT. It might help uh, elevate the younger talent. Uh, but I, I could agree with the SmackDown, uh, you know, for what you said with SmackDown in terms of Fox's presentation. Also, you know, you have a guy named Ricochet over on Raw. Uh, and I, I think kind of to counterbalance a guy that can do things that Ricochet also does as a John Morrison, so put him over on a different show. And then, hey, whenever whenever it comes to be that those two can be in the same ring at the same time, you might have you might have something there. But we'll, let's build to that. So, uh, yeah, I, I think SmackDown would, would, would be a good bet right now. And you talked about Eminem. And, of course, yeah, I agree. I think Eminem is where he found a lot of success. But if you go back even a little bit further in ECW, him and The Miz were great tandem. What were him and Miz called? I forget what they were called. They had a name. I don't remember, but but they had the but they had the the, the segment was like the dirt sheet, wasn't it on, yeah. on WWE.com? Yeah, yeah, because they were all Hollywood styled, and that was that was I really enjoyed those two together. I'm trying to remember what they were called, but those vignettes at the time I remember really enjoying. And of course, you know what's old is new again. I could see maybe a reformation with Miz and Morrison or something. Because again, it's like yeah, he's great as a single star, but he's excelled so much as a tag team as well. I could see them taking him with his experience and, and pairing him with somebody. You know. Yeah, I wouldn't hate that. You know, I I think you know, wrestling fans obviously they love throwbacks, they love nostalgia, they love bringing back something that happened in the past, whether it's for the right reasons or the wrong reasons. Uh, and and quite frankly, the Miz is kind of um just kind of floating out there. So yeah, yeah I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be opposed to that. Well, uh, Morrison did tweet out that he can't wait to stand again in a WWE ring opposite the most talented people in the business. Well, CM Punk decided to respond to that tweet saying, "Dude, Will Ospreay is in New Japan." Now, first of all, a little bit of a shot at a newly re-signed uh, WWE uh, superstar and the talent they're looking to uh, to compete against. But also, it was Seth Rollins who infamously got into it with Will Ospreay earlier this year, started comparing bank accounts, had all kinds of different things. Well, Rollins was on backstage last night, but CM Punk, he did not appear on that show. It was for the second week in a row, though he will be back next week. Rollins was asked about Punk on backstage last night, and he said, I'm here, he's not here, and I'm not shocked about that. I think I've exhausted all of my energy on the subject. I just don't think it's going anywhere. I'm not shocked that he's not here, so I think it's time to maybe move on to something that matters. I wish he was here. I wish we could have a face-to-face, 
but it's not in the cards. By design, is this by design, or do you think that CM Punk intentionally may be dodging Rollins here? I don't know. You know, it, it is. A, it's a good question. You know, he hasn't been on the last two weeks since making his first week announced debut. And Hunter was you know, on last, last week. Last, and like, exactly, yeah. Triple H was on last week, and you know, Rollins. You know, both weeks where you're like, well, I'd love to have <laughs> Punk on there to be able to ask some questions and cross-examine here. Um, so I don't know. You know, we don't. You know, I, I mean, it was it was said when Punk. You know, when when Punk made that surprise appearance at the very final minute, you know, weeks ago, announcing he was on the show, it was said, and I don't remember how it was said, but it was said that like he wasn't going every week. He'd be like a, a contributor on select weeks. So I don't know if he already had it on his schedule that he had something to do these past two Tuesdays or if this was a request by WWE saying we don't, you know, but at some point, I mean, you know, how, I, I don't know, at some point, you, you know, you, you're eventually going to have Punk on the air with somebody who he's can say something to and it might not be what WWE wants to hear so i don't know how long if if this was strategic i don't know how long they can play this game you know what i mean oh man what a bizarre dance here i really you know my gut says punk's trying to kill this moment he just wants to be a commentator right so i i i mean that if i'm taking him at face value you know that's what it seems like he wants to be doing i i wouldn't be shocked if if he made the dodger it sounded like vince was unhappy that Rollins called out Punk for a match that they may not be able to put together. So you're right. Maybe it was Vince telling them we don't want Punk on the show this week. I, either way, a, a lot of smoke, a lot of like, not even like traditional like smoke, a lot of like blue smoke. If you're Fox, if you're, if you're whoever, if you're whoever from Fox, and I don't know who this is, that, that Vince reaches out to from Fox, who has the authority to, 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 to say to CM Punk, you know, we're not using you this week. I mean, if you're Fox and you're the one paying this guy, whatever you're paying him, but it has, to, but it has to be something significant in order in order to get him to come out of hiding. I mean, if you're Fox and Vince goes, I don't want Punk on this week because it's going to cause too much controversy and stir if he's on the same time we have Seth Rollins on the show. So I'm either it's either we're not giving you Seth Rollins or or you, you know, like if you're Fox, you're going, uh, dude, we're paying for this. Uh, if it's going to create buzz and ratings, right? Uh, yeah, we're having Punk. Like, I, you know. that's, that's the thing is, I feel I feel it's more Punk. Than, than, than on the WWE stuff. Though, again, the Rollins thing is different. The the Rollins thing is different to me than the Hunter thing because I don't think Hunter would have cared, right? I think he'd have been like, fine, put him on there. See what happens. I mean, th you you know you know Hunter. I, I mean, I've gotten to share some space with him in the scrubs. He's pretty bulletproof, right? Like, you can throw pretty much anything at him and he knows how to respond to it. I, I don't think there's very much that Punk could say or do on a set like that with Triple H that would really throw him off his game, Right. No, I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I yeah, and so I guess there's the difference between, you know, a split screen interview versus, all right, we're putting Punk and Rollins and chairs next to each other, right? And based upon based upon the old fashioned wrestling promos that Seth Rollins has been cutting on Twitter, it, and even making the mention on Raw, I, you know, that it, it would kind of feel like we need to give the audience some kind of a payoff. They they have to come to blows on the set, yeah, you know, because if you put Punk and Rollins next to each other, you know that you know that at least Seth's gonna play into it, right? And you're gonna oh, sure. you're gonna start to create something that is going to continue it on. So that's why I say I I, I don't know if. I mean, again, Vince is like, you know, we're not going to get this. I don't want to put you in this position. But to me, it's like if Punk is genuinely trying to make the effort here to because like we talked to we talked to Ryan Satin a couple weeks ago here on the show. And he said that Punk really seemed like he was trying to move into that kind of Troy Aikman type role. Right. Where he wants to, to move out and become that that face of this particular product pundit wise for Fox. Um, yeah. If he doesn't want if he doesn't want that, this is a great way to kill that momentum. 
Seth seems to be putting it to bed, and I guess the next couple weeks will tell if if he's really put it to bed here or not and, and given up on it. But uh, a lot a lot of smoke here that something's going on. I, I can't believe that everybody here is playing musical chairs like this for no reason. Well, but, you know, Punk has to be careful, too. You know, one of the reasons why he's a value to be the Troy Aikman of, of, of Fox's pro wrestling coverage is because he's CM Punk, is because he he's he he says what he thinks he says what he feels um he's, he's not liked by everybody you know he's he's got a controversial ring around him um and but if punk is going to constantly dodge situations that could be edgy confrontational but ultimately are going to be highly viewed and, and shared you know if he keeps dodging that eventually fox might look at him and say well what value are you if you are avoiding every scenario that the fans would want to tune in and hear you know you know okay there might not be a match between you and seth rollins or there might not be a match between you and triple h but people would sure like to see you get a chance to kind of interview them and cross-examine and, and do your analysis role with them and yeah maybe some some tempers get flared up and some some heat gets drawn but again if that's if that's the value that he is you know but if he keeps doing the musical chairs if that is in fact what's happened if he's trying to avoid it feels like you know if he says you know, if, if, if that's what it is, if he only wants to appear on the shows where the guests are people that he has, you know, no problem with or no real strong opinion about, then I think his 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 value his, is going to die out quicker than than, than he's going to want. Yeah, potentially. I, I think you're right about that. You know, and it's a, it's a, it's interesting to me, too, because I could I could see the logic to making him the once a month special guest. Right. You know, every four weeks you see CM Punk come in. Maybe you announce the next time he's going to come back on the show. But that's not how this feels. This feels like a week to week thing where CM Punk is like confirming on Twitter whether or not he's going to be there or not. You know, so that that's just why it feeds more into my the smoke that I think is there where it's like, yeah, this feels a bit like musical chairs. I will also say and I'm going to stooge off. Uh, something you're going to hear her on the sh- show in a little bit uh, we, when we have Matt Nix on, who's the freelance wrestling promoter. Of course, freelance wrestling, uh, w- one of the two big indie promotions in Chicago, of course, there's freelance and then there's a- AAW. Um, CM Punk, uh, friendly with freelance. Matt Nix also works at Pro Wrestling Tees. He's one of the original hires from like five, six years ago. So Punk knows Nix from there, too. Um Nix does allude to in the interview you're going to hear that maybe CM Punk made a top secret appearance at a freelance wrestling show right in front of your own eyes. You didn't even notice it. That's something you should stick around for. Um, But he also says, kind of knowing Punk, he does think that we're going to see him wrestle again, but it's going to be on his terms and it's going to be a way for him to write the final chapter of his love letter or his, he's going to write the final sentence where you say in his love letter to pro wrestling, because the way he left the business is obviously not an ideal way to have your final in-ring appearance. It's not the way you went into career that he had. So I do think there's something also to the idea that if if Punk wants to do one more match in WWE, he's not going to be goaded into it. He's not going to be forced into it. I think that if he's going to do one more program or one more match, it is going to be something that he fully believes in and is invested in from go, not something that he's kind of being strung into. And doesn't exactly know where it could go. If that resonates with you, that makes a lot of sense. And and I wonder if and and I think that's a, I think that's a really I think that's a really probably good good prediction from somebody you know who who's closer to him you know, or knows him better than than most. Right. Um. I think. Uh. And I, I'd be what, what would be interesting to see if that does happen, whether it's a match or whether it's a you know a series of matches and a storyline, is uh you know he you know he obviously if if he wants to write his final chapter, you know obviously one of the big complaints he had was was creative and was just the, the just the day-to-day operations in the machine so i'll be curious does does he basically try to write the storyline on paper and, and and try to get contractually you know uh 
um, an agreement from Vince or whomever saying, look, this is how we're going to do it. You're not going to come to me at the 11th hour and, you know, and, and screw this up. Like, if you want me back, this is how we're doing it. But, you know, basically asking for creative control. I, I wonder if he goes that route and, you know, uh, and, you know, WWE's never given creative control, at least in a contract, to anybody. Obviously, the people like John Cena, Randy Orton, they have a lot of pull and say, but, you know, they, they've never done, to my knowledge, what WCW did, which was a which was a huge problem, which was giving guys in writing control of their booking. So uh, that that's another element to see, you know, in the next well, year or two or six months or whatever the timeline is, if he can get that. I will say there's precedent for that right now, Justin. Um, when just before AEW became an official thing, it was like late 2018. So probably about this time last year, there were all kinds of talks about WWE trying to lock down the Bucks, Cody, Omega, stop them from doing the thing they're doing right now is what it, it sounded like at the time. I'd have to go back and look at my notes, but I do remember, and maybe it came out a couple months later when they were reflecting on their conversations they had with WWE. They talked about how WWE really hard sold them on a BTE being the elite invasion angle in wwe where they do the whole outsiders thing show up who are these guys why are they here and it sounded like they had like a six month or a year long program that had been pre pre-written and pitched them so that they would feel comfortable with the creative going into it so that's that's to say in the last year or so there has been some precedent for allowing something like that to play out, if 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 uh, my memory serves me correctly in, in these interviews, I don't know if that. I, I seem to recall that same thing. I think you're right, um, and you know, and that's interesting. You know, always whenever there's a, and I know we're going a little long on this, but I think this is a good good conversation here. I, I, I you know, if we learned anything with uh, you know with the WWF first WCW war. Uh, obviously competition makes you better, but also, you know, you have to evolve your company from a business standpoint to to compete. You know, in WWE, one of the big things that came out of that was getting guaranteed money, right? You know, right. that was something that, right. you know, with Hall and Nash and all those guys going to WCW, that it, it forced WWE to say, okay, we're going to have to give guarantees. It can it can no longer be, you only get paid when you play. We got to, we got to give some kind of upfront security. You know, that was a big thing that came out of that. Thanks to Hall and Nash and the rest. Um, so perhaps in this war very early on i say but perhaps in this legit competition that wb events are facing perhaps what comes out of it is not necessarily giving guys full creative control but realizing look if our competition is giving guys a lot of creative freedom if it's a, if it is a lot more healthy collaborative enjoyable uh, place to be which everybody that works for aw has spoken about no you have not heard one aw wrestler say that they're you know everybody's saying they love the, the freedom so if that's what they're offering and that's the evolution of of the business, you know, Vince might have to start saying, look, if we're going to get big names, if we're going to draw people away or what have you, we're going to have to start giving them something to that effect. We're going to have to start letting them feel like they have more freedom. Back in the day, you had creative freedom, but you weren't making that money, much money. So they, they guaranteed you money. Now there's the money and it's the creative you need guaranteed. That's a very interesting observation. I think you just made there. I had not looked at it in those terms. Yeah, I mean that's that's yeah, I mean that's yeah, that's what it is. You're right. It's, no, now it's now it's not even about the money. I mean, look, you know, John. I mean, John. John Mock. I mean, I'm not saying it's not about the money at all. But, you know, open John a pro Mockley, wrestling tea store. Can you imagine how much money like Scott Norton would have been? How much more money he'd been making in the uh, the height of the Monday Night Wars had Ryan Barkin been around? I'm just saying. Yeah, I mean, you know, but. Um, you know, I mean, John Moxley, I mean, you know, we don't know the official figure, but Moxley even, you know, he did an interview just recently with Chris Van Vliet. I mean, he, he even said at one point, he goes, I can't believe them. He's like, he's like, you know, I like money. I like to put it in the bank and stare at it. He goes, but these guys made me walk away from money because I was so unhappy. 
Like that, that, that's, that's where that's, we're at, man. That's, that's powerful. Yeah. To walk away from what you assume is millions. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> how, how much money is that? You only got one, you only got what? 80, maybe 60, 80 rotations around the sun, you know, spend your time wisely here. You know, don't, you know, I, I get the argument. So anyway, uh, one of the people who was very big, uh, during the attitude era slash Monday night wars last time around, uh, was Hulk Hogan. Um, and the last CM Punk note here, uh, Punk was on two minute warning, uh, radio show where he commented briefly on Hulk Hogan and he said, I've met him. I like him even less now. F him is what he said. Um, <laughs> I just, just had to put that in while we were talking about punk. I didn't know how to fit it in anywhere else on the run sheet, but it got a lot, got a lot of traction. And uh, in the article you could go read over on uh, wrestling Inc. There's a quote from Hogan in a podcast from not long ago, a radio interview talking about how, I guess in like 2007 when he was, his whole life was falling apart. Uh, punk, uh, Punk, uh, or no, it was like two thousand. I forget what year it is. I'm, I don't have it in front of me, but he he like faved Punk in a in the in the in the dressing room or something. And Punk Punk hasn't liked him ever since. I don't know some petty nonsense that sounds very so, punkish. So you're telling you so you're telling me that if Fox books Hulk Hogan on WWE backstage, Punk probably won't be on. I that won't week. be there that week. You're not gonna see CM <laughs> Punk running wild if if they book Hogan for for WWE backstage. <laughs> All right, uh, we got two other little notes from backstage, and we're gonna we're gonna move along to some other news here of the day. Uh, our good buddy Ryan Satin, who we just talked about, he reported on the show last night that Samoa Joe is gonna stay on Raw commentary with Vic Joseph and WWE Hall of Famer Jerry Lawler until he is cleared for in-ring action. Right now, he's dealing with a thumb injury at the moment. Uh, it was also reported that Dio Madden has aspirations of becoming a WWE superstar and is headed back to the Performance Center in Orlando. Madden tweeted, Matt Riddle moved on to Goldberg, so I'll retire Brock. Uh, all for the best, in my opinion. I absolutely love Samoa Joe on commentary, and Dio Madden got some exposure there. He got laid out by the biggest star, arguably, in the business, and Brock Lesnar. He can always come back to that later. Legit NFL background. Uh, more seasoning. I have no doubt he can also be a big star as well. Yeah, I mean, and I agree with all that. You know, he can always go back to commentary later if they want. I, I, you know, this, to me, just screams... I mean, and to be fair to Dio Madden, look, it was, it was you know, he I, he was thrusted quickly into being, you know, in a major role on Monday Night Raw on commentary, you know. It, it, so it takes a while. It, you know, he wasn't shining by any means in the role. Um, again, it takes time. I, I think this just screams, look, Samoa Joe is just so good at it. And, but, you know, but Joe's not going to be, you know, we don't think he's going to be on commentary forever. Well, once he gets cleared in the ring, he's going to want to want to return to action. So oh, at that, but so by them saying, Dio Man has aspirations to go be a wrestler, basically saying you're not going to hear him on commentary anytime in the in this in this current time because he's going to go, you know, in, in air quotes, trained to be a wrestler. That to me tells me that even when Joe's ready to clear in the ring, they don't want to put Dio back on the microphone on commentary. They they're they're going to either leave that spot open and let it be a two man team or they'll, or they'll find somebody else. So um, I brought I made this point yesterday on the show and I won't beat a dead horse here, but Jerry Lawler was fully cleared to wrestle when he started on color commentary and he just kept going and going and going a topic that he has brought up in many podcasts. So you never know, right? If, if they like you in this role and they throw more money at you, you know, maybe maybe he'd consider it. Who knows? Um, but yeah, Joe, so what are you, are you suggesting Joe stays on commentary, but every now and again, he, he wrestles? Maybe. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, look, that's what Lawler did. Again, press, yeah, I mean, and let's be honest, Joe press has press had, you know, he's had a he's had a string of in, in, uh, injuries in his time in WWE, and he's not getting any younger. He's in his, I think he's in his forties now. So yeah. I mean, that wouldn't be a bad play, and he's really good you know, on commentary. So yeah, every so often he gets coaxed out for a match, and yeah, again, he's great on commentary. And the thing I like about Joe on commentary is he has real experience with this generation 
of superstars. Not, not no knock on Corey Graves, who I know also trained and, and had some, some time down in NXT, but he didn't really get to work a lot of programs with a lot of people because his career was cut so short. Joe, again, I keep going back to that Eric Young match from Raw and how well he sold Eric Young and he made Eric Young feel important for the absolute first time in his entire WWE main roster career. And he did it with, he, he had great stuff for AJ Styles. He had great stuff for so many guys. And it just, he feels like the, the right voice I want on commentary right now, though I, I obviously see why he would not feel the same way. Yeah, I, I, but I mean, I, I don't know what I don't know what I really expect. Uh, I don't really really what I expect from Samoa Joe in his wrestling career anymore in WWE. Like I said, we had a lot of injuries, and you know, we've seen him against Brock. We've you know we, we've seen little 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 bright spots in terms of, of, of the booking or, or use of him. But I, uh, you know, I, I'm like I'm not expecting him to be world champion, and I'm not expecting you know a mid card title run. To, you know, like I'm, I don't I don't really expect much anymore out of him. It, 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 so I mean, I think this probably is the best spot for him long term. Uh, and lastly, here on WWE Backstage, last night it was announced that Stephen Amell, Arrow's Stephen Amell, uh, was going to be going to promo school. Um, and he got sick and had to pull out and was not there. So CM Punk was not the only one who wasn't there. Stephen Amell also there. Uh, I'm going to take it at face value that he is sick, but I would also be remiss if I did not point out, he's like really good friends with Cody Rhodes, the competition, right? That was my first thought. That was exactly when, when, I, I, when I heard this, I just read the headline. Um, Stephen Amell cancels from WWE backstage. I think I think that was what we actually had one wrestling Inc. Maybe this and their, uh, yeah. and so my first thought was Stephen Amell. When I when I hear Stephen Amell, I immediately think Cody Rhodes because I, I don't I don't watch the show that he's on, but I just know him from his his. I know he's good friends with Cody Rhodes. So my first thought was, did he like completely just like like ups like just stoops like stand them up and then i read that it said he's sick i'm like okay i'm like i guess i guess he's sick. well i mean he appeared at the rumble but then again like he met up with cody and they've been working together and cody became a part of the arrow series i know that they've probably got some other projects in line yeah i i mean maybe this is again i'm just speculating here maybe he was booked through his agent to do the show or signed off and then cody was like dude what are you doing you said you were gonna make your return to wrestling with us and you know we backed out that's one thing that came to my mind who knows? Uh, but yeah. very. Odd. I mean, I don't. I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't think Cody would say, "Dude, don't." Like, I don't think that Cody would do that. I don't. No. But but that, that doesn't mean that Stephen Amell didn't take a second think about thought it. and say yeah. and say, "Well, maybe this won't look the greatest." Well, look. I mean, WWE. Look, Jay and Silent Bob. Like, they came out. And they said, you know, look. Kevin Smith was like, "Yeah, they they pulled us from the blue carpet because we showed up on Dynamite." Remember that was two days before the Fox debut, and then Jay and Silent yeah. Bob got pulled. So. Maybe this is the celebrity tip for Ted. Who knows? Just speculating. <laughs> Just speculating. All speculation. Uh, well, uh, PWInsider.com uh, is uh, reporting that former WWE creative team member and Lucha Underground executive producer Chris DeJoseph is going to be returning to WWE soon. Uh, DeJoseph left MLW uh, last night, just one month uh, after starting with the company as co-executive producer, uh, he previously worked for WWE's creative team with MLW's uh, boss, Court Bauer, uh, and he reportedly pulled out of Thursday's uh, MLW TV tapings and is officially done with the promotion. Uh, he had been talking with MLW with uh, uh, he had been talking with WWE before MLW reportedly, uh, and he is expected to return to the WWE creative process as soon as this month. Uh, he did work from WWE previously from 2004 to 2010, eventually making it all the way up to the senior, uh, making it up to the role of senior writer and producer. He also appeared on TV as everyone's favorite, Big Dick Johnson. DeJoseph has also worked for CBS's Big Brother and Fox's Hotel Paradise in recent years, among other 
reality TV shows. Um, great addition. Chris is a great guy. A lot of really outside the box thinking with with Lucha Underground. A lot of experience on you know big TV sets with these other shows as well. Um, good hire and circling the wagons, man. They're putting the they're putting the band back together. I wonder how long until they buy Cord out. Well, you know, first of all, Chris is a great guy. Um, he's a good mind for the business. So I got the chance to get to know him a little bit out in L.A. at Lucha Underground when I was out there. Um, he's worked on a lot of things on TV beyond what you mentioned. He actually, there was actually a show, I think it was on A&E for a bit, uh, where the guys from KISS were Gene Simmons and one of the other ones they were trying to put – they were putting together the arena football team they were buying. And, and, and it, was, it was an interesting thing to watch in L.A. For, and uh, Chris was behind that. Fourth and Loud was the name of that That's show. That's what it was. That's yeah. what it was. Um I'm not even a Kiss fan, but I found it entertaining. Um, Can I give you a fun fact real fast about that show? And I don't say it's good. That show did so poorly, A&E discontinued all of the reality shows because they didn't want to spend (laughs) any money on it. Go ahead. Um, Well, it's not Chris's fault. No, that's not Chris's (laughs) fault, but I remember that because I had other interests at the time that that particular show affected interests of mine. So anyway, go ahead. Okay. Um, This does surprise me a little bit. We don't often see guys who were in the creative process as deep as he was for as long as he was we don't often see them come back now bruce pritchard is back bruce is certainly you know bruce has always been very empowered I mean, he, he is a right hand number two to vince so he you know so he he's above the fold so to speak um you know but i mean we don't often see guys come you know, usually if you've ran your course and that would be creative you know, you, you did it, you got your, you had your things you liked and loved, and certainly you had your things you hated, and, 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 and especially today, we don't hear about, it's not like we're hearing glowing reviews that it's, that the culture is great in terms of the situation, you know, in terms of how you're, you know, how you proceed as a creative writer, the, the whole process, things changing, yada, yada, yada. So I, so I'm curious that this is really interesting to see that he's going back there, that, that in terms of, you know, what, what are they empowering him with? What are they offering him? What is his title going to be? What's, you know, what, you know, I mean... So, so I mean, good for him, and and obviously he's not he wouldn't be doing it unless he felt that you know he could go in there and enjoy himself and make a difference. So good for him, um, but that that this did surprise me in that regard. I kind of wondered if he's not going to be working with NXT because because you, you're right, right? They got Pritchard right now on SmackDown. They've got uh, Paul right now running Raw. NXT has Triple H, but he has other duties as well, right? And I don't really know what the creative structure is like over there right now. So I, I and, and he just. He's got a young, fresh perspective. When I read this, my one of my first thoughts was, I wonder if he's going to be working on NXT. You know. Well, yeah, I mean, but but but, but Triple H does have a he does have a, a you know he has a it's a smaller group, but he does have beyond you know beyond Matt Bloom and Shawn Michaels. You know, he does have you know but, his creative room. But so, do, but does like... anyone in that creative? What I'm wondering is, do they have? Does anyone in that creative room have the the tenure and the kind of clout that that Chris brings to the position of showrunner? That I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't know the full staff of who he's work of who's who's working on NXT. So that I don't know. Exactly. But, so yeah. So I mean, maybe. You know? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right? So you're so you're so you're telling me that we get to uh, we can try to combat AEW with some big Dick Johnson appearances in NXT. Look, man, if they're gonna start with Soul Train Jones, which they did, <laughs> and I'm like flipping between, and I'm like, this show's got Soul Train Jones. This guy's this show's got big Dick Johnson. That is, uh, that's a call. That's that's and, so, and for those of you listening who might be who maybe don't have the don't remember this or who are newer listeners who weren't watching back in um, like oh six oh seven, go do some YouTube and Googling of uh, Degeneration X and, and, and the Big Dick Johnson character. But privately in your room, not in like a library or like yeah. around your family. Yeah. Do that. Well, in- I figured 
Well, I figured based upon the name, you wouldn't Google it at work or anywhere where they're, they're tracking your searches. Man, you yeah. don't know that. I don't know who listens to this show. I'm just saying, all right, for the courtesy of those around you, maybe not even for yourself. Uh, the Wrestling Observer reporting that Moro Ronaldo is doing better. Of course, we talked yesterday. It sounds like uh, Moro will be back on commentary here tonight on NXT. Uh, and according to Observer, uh, Moro was uh, reportedly adamant that he wanted to get back to work this week and get back to the normal, get him back into his normal routine. So, so good for Moro. I'm excited to have him back here tonight. And uh, just uh, you know, I think it's just an unfortunate series of dominoes that fell there. You know, I don't, I don't really, fu- I still, like I said, I don't really fully fault graves you know i think he probably picked a bad target here but he's doing what a lot of guys do right now just pick stuff on twitter no, they all they all work together i don't think i think they all kind of know that there's a largely a, a tacit respect for one another yeah I, I look i know the guys i know he's a mental health advocate i know he has his own battles i'm not trying to down you know i'm not i'm not trying to dismiss that but but unfortunately the way today is if i if the moment i say anything that doesn't have full support in defense of Morrow, it's oh you're picking on him or oh you're not you're not you don't have any you know sympathy and that's not what I'm doing. But here's my point: just because the guy is dealing with that, that doesn't that or that shouldn't make him immune to getting professional criticism or critique. Well, but know? again, it's like I don't think the core I don't even core even think really even he meant it. I think he pulled a line from a commentary section and used it to try to troll the night before Survivor Series. You know. Well, and I well, and I think also he never even mentioned Morrow's name. I think he was also not as much putting down Morrow as much as he was putting over how good Beth Phoenix and Nigel are, and he wants to hear more of them. You know, it, it, I don't know. I just I think this this whole thing has just got blown out of proportion. And you know, hopefully Morrow's fine. Okay, get him back. You know, in, in his job, great. But like, like I we think, can't have like think, every time, every time, every time somebody looks him funny, we can't have like this. It can't it can't turn into a two week thing. I don't think that it's because somebody looked at Morrow funny. I think that I think that if this had been something that had been brought up backstage, would have been differently. Because, but again, it's like I don't really. Creep, just creep. I don't know. Maybe scotch on the rocks. I don't really know, right? Like you just decide to do things in the in the fervor of Survivor Series and not sleeping for days on end. Um, but I think that I think that there is reason to say if you've got issues with Moro or any criticisms or anything, it's worth saying just keep them in house, right? Like this guy should not be messed with publicly because of his condition. And, and you know, look again. We were talking earlier about different people want different things in their contracts. I don't think it's we're outside of the bounds for more to say, look, I don't want you all working any angles with me that can really mess with me. You know, if I'm going to be involved in anything, or we're going to talk, well, let's talk. Uh, I, 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 I get the reason. I get it. I get, it, you know? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, sure. I can, I can certainly understand, Hey, maybe, you know, if Graves did have an actual critique, you know, okay, maybe don't, you don't need it. And that's the error on Twitter. But again, I don't, I just think it's got blown out of proportion. I just, I don't know. It's crazy to me how that happens. Well, and here and gone with the wind. More will be back on TV tonight and hopefully again. Yeah, everybody can move on. I think, uh, I think both parties would, would like everyone to. Um, Becky Lynch defeated Kari Sane after Raw in the dark match. Now, I hadn't, re- I hadn't really realized this, but Becky Lynch hasn't even appeared on Raw the last two weeks. Uh, in a post Raw backstage video, she did say the following. Been two weeks since I've been on Raw, and it's been two months since I've defended this title. Now, did we think that the powers that were keeping me down in the beginning of all of this have just gone away? I have said 
the fight that I want, and I have said that I will fight them in the parking lot if I can't get it on a pay-per-view. I am the face of this company, but I am not going to be the mouthpiece because this title deserves more. I deserve more. The people deserve more. I've said the fight that I want. I have one last debt to collect. This has got to be Ronda, right? Yeah, you would think so. Um, I, I thought when they put the women in the final spot at, at Survivor Series, I was like, well, this has to be setting up you know, a big finish of of a rousy appearance it didn't um so yeah you you, uh, you would think yeah well Shayna Shayna won but becky beat her down afterwards and then becky stood tall which i thought was an interesting bit of booking there to close your biggest show of the year so uh, I, uh, out of sight out of mind make her return bigger deal when she comes back to tv finally i don't know just something yeah. something i hadn't even noticed so anyway uh, John Cena, he's set to co-star in the movie Vacation Friends. The comedy film will be released from Hulu and 20th Century Fox. Meredith Hagner and Lil Rel Howery are also set to co-star. The movie is about a straight-laced couple that has fun with a rowdy couple while on vacation in Mexico. When they return to the United States, they find that the rowdy couple has followed them back home. There's no word yet on when this will be released. This got a fair amount of traffic on the site, which I was happy about because the premise sounds... Amazing. This sounds great. Uh, I'm starting to think we're never going to see John wrestle again. I mean, he's he, rock. He's he rock status. Can we say John Cena's rock status? Can we say that? Oh, uh, well, yeah, he's not making as much as rock as the movies, but in terms of schedule, he's pretty much keeping himself. I mean, and, 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 and every time it's every time we, we hear from him in an interview, wherever it may be, you know, uh, you know, I'm this, I believe, you know, WWE's my home. I'm all, you know, I always, you know, I believe that he's always going to be a WWE lifer. He's never going to stray from Vince. He's always going to be appreciative. He'll always have that open door to show up whenever he wants. I believe all that. And then he and then I'll hear him, you know, we'll hear him say, I really want to work Mania next year. You know, and it's like, well, I believe that you probably do, but apparently you like these projects and the money better because you just. It's just one one after another. I mean, again, if you can get the money, go for it. I'm happy for the guy, but I, I'm starting to think. I don't, I'm I'm wondering, can we count on one or two hands the amount of matches left that we'll see John Cena have? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, and one thing, and John Cena has really moved on right from the business. It only comes around maybe once a year now. I'm not expecting him to come back and work a program anytime soon. Um, it's weird to me how much they kind of lean on Cena for SmackDown promos. Have you noticed that? Yeah, no, that's 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 a good call. That is a that's a real good call. Because like they have him, I be, I'm fairly confident he's in the opening montage. But in the commercial where it's like all the employees in the room and like the doctors and stuff doing wrestling stuff, there's definitely a you can't see me. And I'm just I don't know. It's like I'm, I guess it's just maybe I'm just maybe I'm looking for it now. But there's a lot I feel like Cena involved in WWE hype for SmackDown, and then you tune in, he's not there. You know, I don't know if that's a good or yeah. bad thing. Probably a bad. Thing. I don't know. <laughs> but you know, you're right though. Yeah. Um, I mean, granted though, they they have the Undertaker in the open. They have a lot of people. But he's not there either. But that's what I mean. You know, they they, they kind of, you know, it's kind of a catch-all of, of everybody who's who's in the family and the WWE family. Um, yeah, I don't know. This, uh, I mean, good again, good for Cena. If you, if you can make the money, make it. But I, I'm just kind of like, you know, last year we got the quick little. Uh, it was fun. I was watches a fun. Uh, you know, appearance at WrestleMania coming out. You know, in, in the old school that was fun uh but i mean it's crazy to think he did that last year the year prior to that he had the the kind of match against the undertaker i mean john Cena hasn't worked a a traditional let's call it full-length advertised wrestlemania match since 
2017 is that correct i think that's, that's right crazy. yeah so that's crazy. anyway the latest in the world of john cena let's get over here to AEW here for a little bit since we do have some big AEW interviews here to uh, get to still uh well some some bad news here from the observer the AEW report AEW is reportedly experiencing some weak ticket sales for their upcoming dynamite episode from cleveland state university uh tickets went on sale this past friday the episode is scheduled for january 29th uh, the ticket website currently shows several tickets, uh, several seats still available, ranging from twenty-three to ninety-three dollars. Though it does look does look like they sold out the super VIP pa- VIP packages, uh, but they have some standard VIP packages left at two hundred sixty dollars. They also have some platinum seating left, and those range from one hundred fifty-three to four hundred three dollars. Uh, I keep I, I you know I, I I I've been to a lot of the AEW shows. I will say this: come the day of. They always get a burst of ticket sales. I haven't gone to a show yet that's like lightly attended. You know, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I don't have the um, you know, the the experience you do with going to all their events. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, it, you know, I think there's also something too. Uh, and I know the, I know the AEW hardcore fanatics don't want to hear this, but um, the new car smells starting to wear off. That's not to say the product's bad, you know. But we've seen, you know, it, it just you know, it's been two months now. So okay, you you've seen. You've seen most of the roster, at least most of the roster they have at the moment. Okay, you've seen what the entranceway looks like. You see what their pr- production is going to be like. Um, so there is just a little bit of that factor that dies off. Of, of you know, so now it's now now it's up to just now creating more organic, must see um, you know elements and storylines to keep people coming every single week. Uh, so I mean that that's just all. I don't think it's anything to panic about. Um, you know, but I think that's just something we have to the AEW fans have to keep in mind. The new car smell is starting to wear off. Yeah, uh, well, let's uh, let's look at tonight, right? You know, which of the two programs are you more interested in watching, NXT or AEW? Um, well, I I can't fairly answer that honestly. I'm I'm, I'm kind of evenly looking forward to both, only because I didn't watch either last week. I was you know out you know away. I didn't even have I wasn't even around cable TV last Wednesday. So sure. so it's I'm kind of I'm kind of I'm kind of coming back off of an off week. So I'm kind of equally just looking forward to catching myself back up to both. You see, and that's what that's what that's that's from here for a lot of people. And last week was of course the Wednesday night before Thanksgiving. Ratings were down for both, like AEW's down. I think you're going to see a rebound this week, and I'm really interested to see who picks up. I think this is, I think it's an anybody's game this week. But this, again, I keep you know going back to this is what the fans have wanted from this is this back and forth where AEW's won seven, WWE's won two. There's an actual back and forth, and I, and I I have to think that over time that's going to yield more viewers and these kinds of this kind of new car smell wearing off. And the real momentum behind these shows, I really think it's just on the horizon now. Uh, yeah, no, I could agree. I could agree with that. You know, and and it's good. It's good that NXT has won two weeks row. And I'm Agreed. not saying that to be a pro WWE person. I'm saying it's just good for the competition. You, know, you don't want to have a, a, a one sided. You know, if if one team keeps winning every time, you don't want to see those two teams competing against each other anymore. So yeah, yeah, eighty three weeks would be too much, right? Because then it just becomes. Uh, well, uh, we also had from AEW that they've announced that they have signed a new programming output deal with in-demand. It's going to guarantee the pay-per-view platform a minimum of one AEW event per quarter through June 2021. And I believe Cody was the one to talk about this. I don't know if you even mentioned this on the show. It sounds like AEW's plan is to just do four pay-per-views a year, at least for this first year. I, I'm stoked on that. I'm very happy to hear they're going back to that approach. I, I'm a little burned out with how many shows uh wwe is doing at the moment on the weekend yeah i'm in favor of that as well i think that's a good approach i think it really just gives time to um you know what it, what it allows you to do because again back excuse me back when when wwe had four or five pay-per-views 
um, they didn't have the kind of week-to-week content that they do now. Um, so by AEW having a weekly show, but only having if they, if they stick to only having four pay-per-views, what that not a that allows for four pay-per-views to stand out, and it allows for some really good payoffs. But also it then allows it allows for some big payoffs to happen on their week on Dynamite because you know if if you have three or four months maybe in between some some pay-per-views, you know not every storyline is going to drag three or four months out and and all culminate at the pay-per-view. So you can allow you know a storyline to happen, but say okay the big blow-off is going to happen at the, as the main event for this Dynamite episode. It, it allows it allows the weekly TV to be that much more important. Um, we've never got to see that, you know, as WWE increased their weekly programming over the years, they were increasing their pay-per-views like crazy, you know, as they, as they added SmackDown, they were, you know, they were doing, you know, 12, 13 pay-per-views a year. So this is kind of good. AEW doing this, I think is going to, this is going to help. This is going to help them for sure. I agree. And lastly here, uh, a bit of news uh, from NWA, former WWE superstar, Stu Bennett, AKA bad news, Barrett. Uh, He's joining the NW commentary team. He's going to be taking the place of Jim Cornette. Uh, Cornette, of course, was uh, released, retired, whatever you want to say, from NWA uh, a couple weeks ago after he was caught uh, saying a racist comment on commentary um, that um, created a whole bunch of fervor. And uh, then they, uh, noting his departure from the show, also released a video uh, that thanked him for his time and contributions to the NWA. This popped up on my timeline yesterday, Justin, and I literally was I was scratching my head. I, I had no idea why they decided to go back and try to try to try to soften the release of Jim Cornette. I thought that they had efficiently, to the best of their abilities, moved on, and then it popped up in my timeline again yesterday. And I was like, "What are you guys doing?" I don't know. That was just what I was thinking. Yeah, that's that's an odd public relations move. Um, <laughs> hey, I'm a big fan of Stu Bennett. He's a good guy, smart guy, well spoken. I think this is great to see him. Uh, great, great to hear that he's in this role and, and gives gives hope that maybe. Uh, um, I know he's been doing a lot of movies and stuff like that. Maybe this will be an opening that, that gets him back in the ring, if not for just maybe a one-off or, or something. So sure. excited about that. Good, good, good decision. And I saw, I saw a funny tweet uh, yesterday about the Jim Cornette thing. It said the NWA fired Jim Cornette for being racist. That's kind of weird. NWA has said some pretty racist <laughs> things in their songs too. My guest at this time is one half of all elite wrestling's tag team champions. He also recently competed for the AEW World Championship on Dynamite. It is Scorpio Sky. Scorpio, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to do it. <laughs> well, it has been a very big, 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 buzzy, fun time for you here as of late in AEW. It's been a rocket ride, man. I was actually at the Jacksonville Rally back in January of this year, and you guys were a big deal then. It's been almost a year physically and mentally. How are you holding up on this uh, roller coaster that you've been on? It's absolutely crazy that it's already been a year. It's gone so fast. 2019 just flew by, especially once we started TV, and it just became busier and busier. We're on the road every week. Uh, But I'm absolutely loving it, man. This is what I dreamed of. This is what I've always wanted to do. And uh, as crazy as it sounds, I'm living the life that I dreamt of when I was 10 years old. So uh, I'm just uh, thankful and wanting to keep it going. Yeah, man. Well, before we get to all the cool stuff you're doing right now, take me back. When was the first time that you found out AEW was going to be a real thing? Uh, well, there was rumblings uh, late last year. You know, there were rumors and innuendo, as uh, as our friend Conrad Thompson likes to say. But, uh, you know, nothing It was solid. Nothing was, uh, you know, for sure until uh, 2019 came and that's when uh, I was presented with a contract and 
an opportunity of a lifetime. So I went ahead and signed it, and the rest is history. Man, and so I know you know, of course, all the EVPs, but uh, how's it working with Tony Khan? Did you know him really at all before joining up with AEW? No, not really. I had met him one time. Um, but I, after meeting him, I was, you know, I, again, you know, there was, there was rumor and innuendo and there was all, all this rumbling going on. But once I actually sat down face to face with him and found out his view and, and really just vibed him as a person, I was absolutely sold because he is, uh, before anything else, he's a wrestling fan. He grew up loving pro wrestling, just like I grew up loving pro wrestling. And, uh, he's passionate about it and he wants to bring, glory back to wrestling he wants to bring back that old school vibe and feel uh where where the matches really meant something the titles really meant something but at the same time give it a new twist and so um i love the take he has on wrestling he's making wins and losses matter because he's a numbers guy sure he comes from an analytics background and it's a lot of fun and a lot of things that fans can kind of get into and argue about of because does this guy deserve a shot with this record and this record? And, you know, it's a lot of fun. It's the same thing that I was doing years ago uh, with the UFC, you know, saying, ah, you know, this guy has got more wins than this guy. Maybe he should be fighting John Jones. But, uh, you know, it, it makes it all the more fun. Yeah. And, you know, just, uh, you know, tell me a little bit about what was those early days like? You know, I'm sure you're sitting there. You're, you're asking Tony Khan questions. What, what questions did you have about what the new promotion was going to be like or your expectations going into it? On it, I didn't have a lot of questions personally. I, I did a lot more listening than talking myself. Uh, I got to meet him in a group of people, and I think he just kind of wanted to introduce himself and yeah. say, "Hey, this is this is who I am. This is what I want to do, and uh, this is the plan." And you know, once I was able to listen to, to him and figure it out, you know, he comes on. He's a very honest guy. I don't know if you had a chance to meet him himself, sure. meet him yourself. Um, He's a very honest and open guy, and you know I enjoy watching his media scrums because he is so honest and open, and he he definitely makes himself available to the media and the public and the fans, and I think that's a great thing because uh, it it's kind of been an open door policy here yeah. with AEW. We've we've always welcomed people in and said, hey, this is what we're trying to do. Uh, please take a look at it and get on board. And that's basically all it was. He sold it to us before you know, he sold it to the public, but it didn't take a lot of selling for us because it's exactly what we've all felt the wrestling business needs. Yeah. Well, uh, and of course, like I say, you know, you knew that, you know, a lot of the EVPs you have for years now, Cody, the Bucks and Kenny, what's it like working with your friends now? Is they're kind of like your bosses in a way? Does that ever get weird or no? <laughs> no, it hasn't gotten weird uh, yet. You know, I mean, they're very easygoing. Um, and, you know, it's it, it, the cool thing about it is, you know, they're all similar but different in a lot of ways. So uh, each one of them brings a different take to the table. And uh, sometimes they'll agree, sometimes they won't, just like any other business. But uh, at the end of the day, they all want what's best for the company, and so do we. So, uh, you know, I trust them, especially, you know, I've known Matt and Nick the longest uh, and I've seen what they've done with being the elite and what they've done with their own careers and the careers they've made on being the elite, including my own and and uh, now in AEW. And so I just have that trust in them that even if it's something that maybe I don't agree with and not saying this has happened yet, but, you know, let's say there was something that maybe I didn't agree with. You kind of have to have that trust in them because they have been doing this uh, even before AEW. They've been making stars on their own show.
Yeah, and you know, you're Scorps, you're you're an incredibly creative guy, I know as well. I was doing some research with you real quick before we got on the air. What is this, like 17, 18 years now in, in the business for you since your debut? Yeah, I just hit seventeen uh, wow. a couple months ago. So yeah, it's it's been a long road for me. Man, and so like when you have ideas and you get passionate about something, what's the process for you like going to people? I mean, do you have one person you go to? How how does the collaboration work around creative ideas? Um, you know, if I have an idea, I might just tell it whoever is next to me. <laughs> you know, I mean, if Cody's there, I might talk to him. If okay. Matt or, you know, whoever is there, I might talk to them. Uh, or even with if Tony, I, you know, Tony, again, he's, he's, he's very open about things and he's not again. There have been times in the past I picked up the phone and gave him a call and said, Hey, uh, this is on my mind. And he's been very welcoming about that. He's, he doesn't, he doesn't have that like closed door that you have to you know build up the courage to walk up to and knock and or walk in you know he's very open he made sure all of us had his phone number in the very beginning and and said call me anytime so and and they're all like that you know all of the evps are very open it's a very chill relaxed great working environment yeah and the the last thing i wanted to ask you about as far as like the backstage stuff goes is you know you have a a wide array, it sounds like, of coaches, agents, producers, whatever you want to call them. Is there a, is there a particular mind that you enjoy getting to pick backstage and working with to, to put together your matches? Honestly, they're all great. Um, <laughs> lately, I've had Dean Malenko uh, a lot more so uh, over the last, I'd say, three to four or five weeks. And I've really enjoyed working with him because I was a huge fan of his in WCW and um, – and WWE as well. And, uh, he's, he's always had a unique mind and he's always been able to come up with very compelling stories in, in his matches. And so getting to, you know, being a fan of his and now getting to work with him and kind of pick his brain. I sat next to him on a flight on two flights actually recently. And I was just kind of able to pick his brain a little bit and, and talk to him. And so he's definitely one that I really enjoy getting to work with. And then, you know, there's Jerry Lynn and Christopher Daniels also uh, helps out. And there's so many guys, you know, we had Arn Anderson not that long ago. He, he wasn't as a coach, but he was just there and, and open to talk and Tully Blanchard's there. And I love working with Dustin Rhodes. Um, there's so many like experienced guys there that, you know, I'm in my 17th year and I'm still, I feel like I'm a kid again. You know, I feel like I'm in my first year because I'm just picking up on so many new things that a lot of guys in my generation don't have, you know, because the business has changed. And I think there's a room for the old school and the new school to blend together. Yeah, man. And you talk about, you know, Dean Malenko being somebody you enjoy picking the brain of, and and that doesn't surprise me at all. Dean's a legend. But, you know, there's a lot of people that say that there's some comparisons to be made between AEW and WCW a bit stylistically and, you know, tone wise do you see that or, or do you not do you not see the comparisons that people draw between the two <laughs> i can see the comparisons you know um in, in a way uh you know you can always make comparisons i mean i can make comparisons between wwe and wcw as well to be honest true um but the fact that we are on tnt and we have faces like tony Schiavone and and guys like that which i love having um, I can, it's an easy comparison and, and obviously, uh, you know, being another big brand company, you know, there have this has never happened before. This is something that started from scratch because even WCW came from the NWA. True. Uh, there have, there's never been a wrestling company that has started from scratch at this level. So 
this is a historic time in wrestling and there's going to be books and documentaries about this in the next five, 10, 15, 20 years even. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll still be going 20 years from now and this will all just be part of the story. And, I can be a big part of it. Well, you are a big part of it. So let's get to it here now. Yeah, you say they're starting from scratch, and you are part of scratch. You are one of the first ever tag team champions in uh, AEW history. Uh, what was your reaction to finding out that you were going to be the champ, the first ever champions? And, and why do you think that SCU was given the nod? Why do you think that you guys are the first the first ta- tag team champions? You know, I, obviously it's a huge honor, uh, and it, it became the big surprise to me. Um, but it, at the same time, it, it shows a lot of, uh, faith that the company has in us. Uh, I believe we were handpicked by Tony for, uh, this position and, um, you know, I couldn't be more happy with it. And, and Tony has a, a brilliant mind and for storytelling. And I think he's showing that in these last few months, especially now that we have TV where, uh, where he's able to tell long-term stories and plant seeds. And I mean, he's doing things. Now that the seeds were planted literally four, five, six months ago. And so, you know, they're obviously being seeds planted now that we're going to play out probably in the summer. So being a part of that is, is pretty incredible. And, you know, being the very first tag team champion, you know, history, like we have the most stacked tag team division in wrestling. If you look at guys like outside of SCU, we've got the young bucks, we've got the, Lucha Brothers, we've got Private Party and the Jurassic Express. I mean, and there are more teams. It just goes on and on and on. Santana and Ortiz. Any one of these teams could carry the company as tag team champions. So the fact that we are able to do it when it could be anyone else, it, again, I, I, I hate to beat the drum, but it's such a great honor. And and uh, I'm hoping that we can do it for a long time and leave a legacy. And and years from now, people look back and, and say, man, they were absolutely perfect for to kick things off with. Well, one of the tag teams I wanted to ask you about was a uh, Dark Order. Uh, they're taking on this really creepy kind of Scientology esque direction. Uh, what do you think of the new turn uh, that Dark Order seems to be taking here? I, I think it looks cool, man. Um, obviously, when they came in, a lot of people didn't know what the Dark Order was. It was like, okay, there's this guy in this mask, and uh, this other guy who's he's painted his face, and they've got these like minions around them. Uh, but what is it? What, you know, what are they? And so now they're finally getting their story out. They're getting to tell their story and, and people are seeing it. And I think people are getting in, on board with it because, you know, it is kind of creepy in it, but it's cool at the same time. So um, oh, I think man. there's a, there's definitely going to be a lot more uh, layers to their, their character and Ugh. their story as we go forward. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing it myself. Oh man, you said it was. You're like it's creepy, but it's also cool. I feel like you're gonna hand me a Dark Order brochure here in just a second. Come on in, man. Hold the e meter. You're gonna be fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, all right, let's talk about the elephant in the room here. You wrestled for the AEW World Championship this past week on Dynamite in my backyard here in Chicago. It was incredible. What was the experience like for you getting to challenge Chris for the top title in the company? Biggest match of my career. Um, and more ways than one. I mean, first off, I grew up a Chris Jericho fan. This is a guy that dressed up as Chris Jericho in high school for Halloween, conspiracy victim sign and all. And, uh, you know, I actually showed at one point uh, in the mat, because it wasn't just the match. You know, we also had the promo the week before, yeah. which I was uh, extremely nervous about because he's one of the best talkers of all time. Mm-hmm. And uh, to get out there and have to go, 
jab for jab, word for word with him, you know, it was intimidating. Uh, but I was really happy with the way it came out. And, uh, you know, I kind of dropped uh, that Paragon of Virtue line that he used to use back in WCW, which, uh, you know, was fun for me and amongst all the other things. And then the match itself, you know, I've, I've been such a fan of his, not only his character, but his in-ring work as well. Yeah. And to get in there and, and go toe-to-toe with one of the best and one of my favorite wrestlers over the last 25 years uh, was incredible. Yeah, well, it, was, it was a lot of fun. It was intimidating. Uh, and, and it was a huge opportunity for me to show that I could potentially one day, obviously I lost the match, but uh, sometimes you can win by losing. And uh, my hope was to show that I could potentially main event uh, TVs and pay-per-views and wrestle and hopefully maybe one day be the world champion. Uh, and that was the ultimate goal. Man, well, you, am, I, am I wrong in saying you're the only man to have a, a pinfall over Chris Jericho from the tag match, right? That's it, yeah. yeah. He's, uh, his only loss on his record came to me in the tag match, obviously, but yeah, I'm the only one to pin him. Man. So that's a huge honor. Yeah, man. Well, and I, I was at the, uh, I think it was the media scrum. It was either DC or Full Gear. I forget exactly which one. But you all were, you were asked about the Freebird rule, and Daniels played that down, and he said that he was looking to go out and find singles gold. So I was a little surprised when you got the first singles gold shot ahead of Christopher Daniels there. It seems like he's on a quest of his own. Any friction there from for, with you and Daniels no. over him getting a shot before no. you? No, no, no friction. Uh, Christopher Daniels, he's going to have his shot. Uh, you, you don't have a talent like Christopher Daniels in your company long before he is a champion. So whether it be the world championship or if they eventually maybe add another championship, he'll get that one. Or, you know, who knows, maybe Frankie and I lose the title and Christopher Daniels and I go after the tag championships or, or him and Christopher Daniels go after their fifth tag team championship. Who knows? Uh, but, you know, no friction. I think it just kind of came out of nowhere. I pinned Jericho. Uh, I know a lot of people uh, on Twitter didn't think I deserved a title shot, which I actually said in the interview. But you pin the champion, that kind of uh, uh, damages his ego. And, and, you know, Jericho challenged me. I didn't actually challenge him. So all I did was accept the challenge. Sure, sure. Well, and, you know, MJF has that new dynamite diamond ring. I mean, do you see that maybe kind of being something that could be used – uh, like a secondary title instead of an actual belt, like using the ring instead? I don't know if that's the plan, but I, if I had to bet on that, I would say no. That's probably going to be a MJF's thing and something that he won, uh, like a king of the ring maybe type of thing, and, and it's his now, and, and now you know you move on to the next situation. Uh, well, I wanted to ask you about uh, the next big AEW event, which is going to be, I guess, a two-week event or a week-and-a-half-long event, Bash at the Beach is coming back. How does it feel to be a part of the resurrection of Bash at the Beach? <laughs> really cool, man. Uh, Bash at the Beach was one of, if not my favorite pay-per-views back in the WCW days. It, it, it was always, I know Starcade was kind of their big show, but if you look back, Bash at the Beach was always a stacked show for them. I mean, mm-hmm. that's when they had Carl Malone and, that's when they had like Dennis Rodman and then I believe Carl Malone was on that one. Right. Was, uh, yeah. Dennis Rodman, I know for sure. So uh, that's when they would bring out the big guns. Obviously that's where Hogan changed, uh, changed over to the NWO. So now, you know, here we are again, you know, 20 plus years later, Bash of the Beach is returning under the AEW banner. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm interested to see 
uh, what the stage is going to look like and, and what the broadcast is going to look like, you know, and are we going to have palm trees or are we going to be poolside? What's it going to be? Uh, I'm, I'm really excited to see it. Yeah. Well, you know, and that's going to be uh, on two different Wednesday nights. And, you know, obviously a lot of hay has been made about what, you know, the fans are calling the Wednesday night war. How, how does that affect you? Do you run Thursday morning show buzz daily? Are you caught up in viewership or do you try to phase that all out? You know, I, I it's kind of a fun thing. Uh, you know, it's a romantic type of thing. It was the Wednesday night wars to kind of flashback to the Monday night wars, but it's so different now. Uh, it's not guys competing for life and death and trying to put the other company out of business like it was back then. Now it's just kind of a fun thing for the fans to play with. Um, obviously, I do look at the ratings, but it's not, uh, you know, one of those things where it's like, oh, damn it, we lost this week. You know, it's it's like it's kind of you laugh and say, okay. Um, I have friends that work for NXT and, uh, you know, on the Raw and SmackDown brand. And so I hope that they do just as well as I hope that we do. You know, it's just, I think the more places there are to work in the business, the better. Because if you look at our company, uh, we've got a lot of guys, including myself, have been on the outside of a big company because there was a lack of work, uh, because there were opportunities that just were not there. And now that there are bigger companies, there's two big companies and then there's a few smaller companies, there's places to go. And, and now we're able to see more talent. It's great for the fans. The boys are getting taken care of better. And so this is exactly what the wrestling business needs. Awesome. Hey, Scorpio, I want to thank you so much for the time. Uh, is there anything that you want to plug, promote, put over here before we wrap it up today? Uh, just keep watching uh, AEW Dynamite on uh, every Wednesday night. Uh, you can also check out AEW Dark on uh, Tuesday nights on YouTube. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Scorpio Sky. And uh, thank you for uh, your support in AEW and in uh, myself. My guest at this time is the founder of Freelance Wrestling, and he recently battled Cody Rhodes on AEW's Dynamite here in Chicago. It is marvelous, Matt Nix. Nix, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me here today. Dude, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to talk, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, dude. Well, you know, this was, we're going to get to all the Cody stuff here in a little bit. But I will say, I was sitting there uh, with my buddy Sherman. We wound up sitting right behind uh, Frank the Clown, everybody's everybody's favorite freelance wrestling. And I'm sitting there tweeting something covering the show, and he turned around and hit me. He goes, dude, it's Nick's. And, dude, it blew my mind. I had no idea that you were going to be doing that match with Cody Rhodes. That was crazy to me. When did this come about? When did the, when did you find out you were going to be wrestling Cody? Uh, yeah, no, it, it definitely came as a surprise to me as well. Um, uh, so I had, uh, going back a little bit, we had uh, had the opportunity to do extra work uh, during All Out All right. uh, when they were here. And uh, it was really cool. It was a really awesome opportunity to kind of just be, you know, in that environment and just, you know, being in the middle of history, you know, uh, of AEW and being at one of their pay-per-views. It was really cool. And so that when they were coming back to town for the for the TV, I, you know, I hit, the, I hit them back up again about, you know, hey, like, you need any extra bodies for extra work again? You know, we'd love to be a part of it. And he was like, they, would, they were like, we'll let you know. So they talked to us and they were like, yeah, we need some people. And myself and a few other guys uh, were just there and didn't really know what was, what would be going on. And then at, at one point they were just like, uh, hey, we need you to wrestle Cody Rhodes. Is that really? cool? And I'm just like, uh, 
yeah, no, that's totally fine. I, I think we can manage, you know? And, uh, yeah, that's, that's basically kind of how it happened. I, I didn't really know until about 4 o'clock that day what? after that was happening, and it kind of just blew my mind, for real. Wow. Yeah, because I saw Ego was there. He was, like, the big cow. I think Castro was a Triceratops. I'm talking about all the inflatables. You were in there with, with actually with Cody there, and you didn't find out till four o'clock. What what were your interactions like with Cody? Well, first of all, you've met Cody before, right? Because you work at Pro Wrestling Tees. This is probably not your first time meeting Cody, right? Yeah, no, I, I've met him in passing. You know, when he's when they were here at the store, uh, you know, for any you know events or signing that that's gone on through throughout the, the last couple months, but um, we didn't like we didn't really like know know each other and. You know, he, he was just, like, he was super awesome, like, really nice and, and didn't make me feel nervous at all until I was standing out there and the pyro went off. And I was like, oh, shit, this is, uh, this is, this is real. Yeah. But, uh, but... Oh, you there? You there? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah no, I'm still here. Okay, yeah. I was just wondering, because you are like, yeah, this, this, this is very real. Now... Now, how much did Cody know about you? Did he know about freelance wrestling? Because obviously there was the chant during the match, but he called out freelance wrestling on the microphone after the show for all the fans that were still hanging out in attendance. I don't think that definitely didn't make it to TV. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I mean, I would assume that he's you know at least heard of it, you know, uh, especially you know knowing that you know Kylie who who wrestled that AEW you know, wrestles for, for freelance and came from freelance. So I'm, I'm sure it was, he knew the name or knew, you know, a little bit about it. I'm sure most people at their job is to know these things, but, um, but no, it was that. And, and that was probably the coolest thing that will ever happen to me in my life is just being in the ring and just hearing that chance to just being like, Oh man, this is, this is so crazy. Like, and he even like, he stopped and like looked around and like, he kind of looked back at me and gave me a smile, and I was just like, "This is this is wild." Yeah, man, dude, that's crazy. Because I was, I was sitting there, and I, and it was so audible those freelance wrestling chants coming through. I was just wondering, after the match, did you have a chance to shake his hand? Did he say anything? Did you guys, uh, did you have a chance to put over freelance wrestling? I guess to Cody and put it in his ear. Maybe drop by with your buddies, like you do at other independent wrestling shows. Um, no, we didn't. We didn't really get a chance to talk that much uh, afterwards. You know, I just. I thanked him again for the opportunity, and I thanked anybody that would listen to me. I was just shaking hands with, you know, random production crew members and just, you know, thank you guys. Thank you for letting me do this. This was crazy. Probably thought I was a weirdo. <laughs> so what's the what's been the fallout for you? I would imagine you're hearing from a lot of friends and family. Are you getting more bookings? Has this created a more of an interest, I guess, in Matt Nix for other shows? Um, It's been... It's, it's been weird, man. Cause like, I'm just, I'm just a guy, you know, I'm just, you know, I, I haven't even really been wrestling that, that often, uh, in the, in the last couple months, you know, just focusing more on running the show and stuff. And, and, uh, and after it happened, like Rob, Anthony was like, uh, he's like, dude, let me see your phone. It's gotta be blowing up right now. And I was like, ah, I mean, maybe like, I was like, I'm sure I've, I've got a couple text messages from like my family and stuff, you know, nothing, nothing too crazy. But it was just like, it was just constant, like, it, like tweets or Facebook posts or text messages, like all all day for the rest of the day, and then 
and the rest of the, uh, you know, during Thanksgiving as well. And, and the funny part is, is that I didn't have service in that building. So I, I didn't really get most of them until like the next day anyway. And it was, it was pretty crazy. I woke up the next day to like 150 missed text messages. And I'm it just the amount of like positive response or just people, you know, being like, Hey man, that was really cool. I'm, I'm happy for you. Like, it was really cool to see that, you know. It, it really meant a lot to me that just know people actually kind of care. Well, Nick, I mean, everybody's happy for you because you have scrapped and, and worked hard to to get where you're at as a wrestler. But you've you've put over a lot of guys in the Chicago community, giving them a spot there at freelance wrestling. So I think it's I think you're getting it for both sides. People that are happy for you as a performer, and people that are genuinely happy for you as a person, getting a chance like you've given a lot more other people. You know, in the past few years, I've I've watched you kind of grow. As a, as a pro wrestler and a promoter, how, how have you found, what lessons have you learned about balancing, I guess, those two responsibilities and worlds of yours? You know, it, it really, t- I mean, I, I learned this pretty early on that like when you're running a company, you have to, you know, make one of two choices and that are you booking these shows to put yourself in a good position or are you booking these shows to help with the show in its best position. And I realized early on that like, Hey, like I'm, I may not be the worst wrestler, but like I can recognize that the crowd isn't necessarily coming specifically for me. They're coming for, you know, other, other people that are like bigger and, you know, better, but also uh, they're coming for the show. Like that the show itself is what it, uh, what it, the show sells itself, you know, it's, about the brand and uh and we've had like a at least a decent amount of success with that lately yeah i mean i i definitely see more i definitely see more and more promotion for freelance it pops up on my twitter feed a whole lot and you know i definitely uh definitely doesn't hurt that again cody put you guys over on national television like that allowed the champ breakout and everything and, and played into it you know but you yourself you know you've you've changed it up a little bit recently as a as a pro wrestler i know you were adopting the purple stuff uh, not long ago. Now it's a full-on uh, thing with all kinds of violet stuff. You've got this Violet Tendencies podcast. What made you want to change it up, and how would you kind of describe the current iteration of Matt Nix uh, to fans out there that may not know you that well? Um, well, it, it really all kind of stems from uh, I had a Penny Sutra. We, we would tag fairly often, and he had a pair of purple, purple tights. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to get purple gear made just so we can like match, you know? Sure. And I, and, and purple is legitimately like my favorite color as well. So I was like, you know, I was killing two birds with one stone. And, uh, and then a lot, a lot of people don't know that like the jacket that I wear, I, I had, I had acquired it years before that. Just, yeah, I probably had like a rummage sale or, you know, something like that. But I, I had it and I was like, I remember when I, when I bought it, I, I was like, I don't need this right now, but I, I know one day it'll be useful to me. And that's a, with a lot of things that I collect over the years. But, um, but no, it just kind of slowly morphed into, into, you know, what I currently am, I guess, is just, it's just me having fun. Like, I just, I, I really found myself stressing out a lot about wrestling and just trying to, trying to please other people and what other people's ideals of, like, what wrestling should be or what, you know, a wrestler should, you know, act like, I guess. Uh, and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to do things my way <laughs> and uh, have fun, you know? And, and it, so it's a lot of just 
me being weird and just uh, trying to pop myself. But uh, but no, purple is like it also means a lot to me because it's like purple is like a very noble color, you know, throughout history, you know, with with the color of you know kings and just royalty. And I always feel like it, it just it means a lot to me to be able to kind of at least portray myself in a higher fashion. Yeah, I dig that. And you've got a really unique perspective, too, not just as a, as a promoter and, and a wrestler. I mean, you've been working here for Pro Wrestling Tees for a while now. When did you start working for Pro Wrestling Tees, and what exactly do you do there? Ooh, excuse me. So I've I've been at uh, Pro Wrestling Tees for about, I think it's coming up on almost five and a half, six years now. Wow, dude. Almost as long as, wow. yeah, almost as long as freelance has been around. Yeah, and and what exactly do you do there, Nix? So I uh, I'm I'm in charge of the heat transfer orders that come through here, and if uh, if anybody's watched the Pro Wrestling Tees uh, documentary behind the merch, uh, you can, you'll, you'll see me in there. Uh, they they show kind of like what I do, uh, but it's basically like a uh, for a lot of the popular designs, most more specifically now uh, the AEW logo and any iteration of that. Uh, since it's such a popular design, we sell a lot of them, so it's cheaper and, and quicker for us to have them screen printed on like a sheet of paper that we lay down on the garment under this big, essentially a giant um, iron, and it presses the, the design down onto it, and it transfers the ink onto the garment, and it's, you know, the same quality as like a screen print, it's, and they're really nice. Yeah, you there? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Okay, you got to cut out a little bit there. Yeah, well, you know, and, and that's the thing, man. It's like you're you're so ingrained in in the wrestling here. When you've been working at Pro Wrestling Tees for as long as you have, I mean, the business has changed so much around Pro Wrestling Tees. What are some of the biggest lessons you've learned? What are some of the biggest changes you've seen in the business at your during your time at Pro Wrestling Tees? Yeah, it's just been uh, it's been crazy to see like how how much merchandise um, like moves and like what, and just kind of seeing what, you know, what's popular and what's not. And, uh, and it's been really cool to kind of see like certain guys, you know, when they put out a certain design or something that just blows up and, you know, a lot of guys make their entire living off of, uh, you know, just their pro wrestling T stage alone. And it's that alone has, has, has allowed wrestlers to kind of like, go from being like a guy that works a nine to five and, you know, has like a moderately, moderately successful independent career to being able to wrestle full time and sell t-shirts to make up the difference. And I think that's incredible. Yeah. And I mean, has that, is that kind of what led you to kind of where you're at right now with your pro wrestling character? I feel like you're embracing what a lot of independent wrestlers are doing right now, which is just kind of being themselves and throwing out stuff that pops them. Cause I feel like that's the kind of stuff I'm seeing that is, more and more successful on, on like pro wrestling tees. Yeah. I mean, definitely. I think people kind of identify with, with people like that, that, you know, that they're just like, Oh, that's, you know, they, they think of it as not, not necessarily as like, Oh, I could do that. But like, like these people are, are just like me, you know, they're, they're weird. They're, they're, they're awkward. They, you know, they like video games and punk rock and anime, but like, they're also like, you know, 
fucking wrestlers that it's talking about. Sorry, I don't know if I can swear. That's fine. It's okay. Um, yeah, man. Well, you know, and that's that's the thing is freelance wrestling. So many great characters, um, and you per, you know you guys have helped launch probably one of the bigger names in pro wrestling right now. That's right. Mustafa Ali. I mean, what does it mean to you to see a former freelance wrestling champion right now main eventing on on Raw and SmackDown each week? It's you know it's been so cool to see him. Um, because Ali, you know, Ali's literally like probably the most, one of the most smartest, uh, people I've ever met in wrestling Yeah, and just the nicest and, you know, to see him on that platform, it means a lot to like our scene because it's like, okay, that's a guy that was, you know, doing, doing what we're doing and, and now he's there. So it's, it's almost as if, uh, it's not as unobtainable as it once was. Yeah, and you know, one of the names you brought up earlier too that's of course very buzzy is Kylie Ray. Were you surprised that she picked freelance wrestling to make her return after her brief uh, time away from after AEW? Oh, uh, can you say that again? Sorry, I didn't. I cut out for a second. No, that's fine. That's fine. I was just asking. You know, with you brought up, uh, you know, we're talking about Ali, but you know, of course, another big name from freelance, like you brought up earlier, was Kylie Ray. Were you surprised that she chose freelance wrestling as the place to? make a return after her brief time away from AEW there at the end? Um, not surprised, but, you know, grateful and, and happy, you know, I'm happy that she's, you know, she's just, she's doing what she loves with the people that she loves. And I think that's super important to her and it's, it's super important to us as well. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, as somebody who is so closely ingrained with Chicago pro wrestling, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, are you, uh, are you surprised to see CM Punk on WWE backstage? What's your reaction to seeing him in that spot? Um, not really surprised. I I, I kind of figured it would happen at some point, and uh, the fact that he is that close, but also not bound by a contract with WWE, uh, that he can kind of he's kind of free to say whatever he wants. I think that that makes for some must see television, especially in a, in a crowded. Uh, crowded market currently like it's it's awesome for them to uh to be able to capitalize on that now i have heard that punk may have played some kind of a druid at a freelance wrestling show uh many moons ago or a while back uh <laughs> is there any truth that cm punk has on the down low ever participated in a freelance wrestling show uh, he may or may not have, uh, escorted, uh, one Kikitaro to the ring at a freelance show at the bottom lounge at one point. <laughs> may or may not have done that. See, may or may not have. So, like, that's, that's the thing. is like, Nix, you have some kind, it's not like I'm asking some random person who's tied to Chicago. You have some sense of punk, you know, and we see him now in backstage. What do you, what's your gut say? Do we see this guy wrestle again? Do you think he has the desire to want to wrestle again? Um, I think so. I think, I think he, I think he's got at least one more left in him just to, to, to finish off his, his love letter to wrestling. I think, uh, I think he, he owes it to himself to, uh, to kind of finish up on his, on his own terms and not, you know, the way things ended. Yeah. 
Cool. All right. Well, hey, Nick, uh, I want to thank you so much for the time. Uh, again, it was like just so effing cool, man, to see you in there getting to share space with Cody. When I texted you, I was like, dude, that's so cool, man. He like he shook your hand. This wasn't like you were a jobber or something. I feel like he you were more of a you were like a Barry Horowitz type, you know, where there was some respect given to you. There wasn't just the assumption you were going to get murdered in the ring. Is that is that fair to say? Is that OK? Is that nice? I don't know. Yeah, no, I've, like it. It was definitely something special, yeah. you know. And and if if it leads to nothing more than just that night, then you know I'm so I'm super happy and grateful that I was even get, given that opportunity. It, it meant a lot to me, but it meant a lot to the city as well. You know, all the fans of freelance. You know, it, it was it was their voices getting heard. You know. Yeah. Do you feel like this is official? Do you think this puts freelance at like ECW status? for Chicago now that you're getting these kind of chance at bigger shows? Hey, maybe who knows what the, what 2020 is going to hold for us. I feel like I, I just feel super, super motivated and super excited just for, for any kind of challenge that we may, may have. I know. Well, there it is. Uh, Nixon on that note, what do you want to plug promote, put over here before we wrap up the interview today? Uh, well, when is this going up? <laughs> this is going up tomorrow, by the way, you don't know this, but like, uh, like an hour ago, I interviewed Scorpio Sky, so he's the lead-in for you. It's gonna be Scorpio. Then this. Oh, hell like, yeah. it's a whole AEW special here today. That's awesome. Scorpio Scorpio is one of the nicest guys I've ever met. Uh, from the times I met him at Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, uh, he's always been super nice and super cool. And I'm super excited for him to be getting these opportunities. Like he wrestled Jericho on tel- national television. I know. And I was like, this is so, this is so cool. Cause yeah. I know how good he is. And I'm, and I, he deserves every bit of his stuff. He wrestled Jericho but, uh, on the same show. You wrestled Cody Rhodes on. That's like, an, that's, an, <laughs> that's going to be in a book somewhere. Sometimes Nix. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, we have uh freelance wrestling splash show of the year is, is next next Friday already. Uh, the show is called war is inevitable and it's going to be, I'm really excited for it. Uh, main event's going to be Kylie Ray challenging Ethan page for the freelance world championship in a two out of three falls match. So I'm not going to want to miss it. Thank you very much to uh, Justin for joining me at the top of the show to talk the news of the day. Thank you to AEW, Scorpio Sky, and Freelance Wrestling's Matt Nix. I was very happy with how both of those interviews came out, and I really hope you guys enjoyed them. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with our uh, last Winkley of the week. Uh, I will be joined uh, by uh, Aftermath's Christy Olsen. You're, you've got other commitments tomorrow, Justin, so you can't join me. Well, and that's a <laughs> quite 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 the. I know this is an audio program. That's quite the visual upgrade. Uh, but no, that's that's great. Christy does a good job on aftermath, and uh, so it'd be nice to have a uh, you know nice to have a, a special guest, fresh voice. You know, she, you know, that'll, that'll be good for the show. So enjoy it, everybody. I'll be back next week. Very good. Yes, yeah, very excited to welcome Christy uh, tomorrow to the show to co-host and talk the news of the day. And also, we got two more big interviews to wrap up the week. Uh, I sat down with former WWE superstar mouthpiece Abraham Washington, who was. Uh, unceremoniously uh, let go from WWE after making uh, the LeBron James rape joke on a live microphone. Do you remember that, Justin? <laughs> I remember that very well. Yes. Well, he is back. He, he is back now. He's trying to get a new character going. Jeremiah Constantine. Uh, we talk at length about uh, his release from WWE, uh, what he's kind of learned in the wake of that. Um, I'm very happy with kind of this conversation. And uh, he, uh, he, of course, we talk about what his plans are next uh, and, and where he's hoping to take uh, – 
his new character. So I think you guys are going to like that one or not. And our good buddy, Andy Malnoski, Emmy Award winner, Andy Malnoski, uh, he's got an interview with Tony Atlas that we're going to be dropping here tomorrow, who was, of course, Abraham Washington's co-host when they had the Abraham Washington show at WWE. Such synergy. I, the weekly. I know. You're, we're putting the band back together here tomorrow. Uh, and if you like the show, you like our review shows, go over to iTunes, find Wrestling Inc. Audio, give us a nice five-star rating, give us a nice comment. Uh, all of those things are always appreciated. Justin, what do you want to plug, promote, put over here before we wrap up the show today? Oh, give me a follow on Twitter at Justin Labar. Uh, always appreciate it. Leave the nice ratings. Leave the nice ratings. We want to, we want to read nice nice reviews, hear what you like, hear what you love. Uh, yeah. And join me tonight live after AEW and NXT. I'll be on... Uh, Oh, where did I get cut off? We made it all the way to the end. Um, yeah, just go back to doing the. Uh, what do you ever plug, promote, put over? Okay. Uh, at Justin Labar on social media, give me a follow. Leave us a nice review on iTunes. Uh, I would love reading that. And uh, join me tonight after AEW and NXT. I'll be live on the Wrestling Podcast uh, on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter uh, with myself, Ross Geary, and Matt Morgan. Uh, and I am at Wink Rebel over on Twitter. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Can't wait to close the week out with you tomorrow. And remember, if you winked, you didn't miss it. <laughs>